have no anxiety at all. That was St. Paul's advice in his letter to the Philippians. But is that really possible? Especially in today's crazy world, when it seems our society is falling apart. From Paul's perspective, it is. And if anyone knew what anxiety was like, it was certainly Paul. Suddenly blinded and then dependent on the very people he sought to arrest, beaten savagely in one town, flogged in another, shipwrecked, arrested, sent to Rome for trial and awaiting execution. Oh yeah, Paul understood what anxiety was. And yet he says, have no anxiety at all. In place of anxiety, Paul urges believers, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, imagine giving thanksgiving in the midst of a panic attack, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. What happens after that? Well, Paul continues, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, notice very carefully here, Paul does not say, there, there, don't you worry. God's going to make all the bad stuff in life go away. Paul's not saying that. What he does say is that when we bring our anxieties, our worries, our fears to God, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, he will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, meaning that whatever our struggles happen to be, we are given the grace to persevere, to put one foot in front of the other. I have experienced this truth more times than I care to remember. About a year ago, I had watched an episode from the TV series, TV series House MD. How many have ever watched that? House MD? Okay. Well, in this particular episode, an airline passenger became ill during the flight, and Dr. House intervened. And he asked all on the plane, does anyone have an anti-anxiety prescription? And everyone in the plane stood up and held out their little bottles. Now, I, I'm not in any way disparaging those who legitimately need medication. It's a blessing from God. But the scene was instructive. We are a society awash in all kinds of anxieties, and we're not handling them well at all. Now, Paul used a specific Greek word in his letter for anxiety, merimante. It really means to divide the mind or to have thoughts occupied. When we experience anxiety, it is fair to say that our mind is being divided, that our thoughts are preoccupied to such an extent we have difficulty functioning. In extreme situations I've seen, there were people who were utterly paralyzed with anxieties and fears and worries, so much so they were unable to complete the most basic tasks. It's an exhausting thing to suffer from. Jesus' story of the vineyard addressed the anxiety of the chief priests and elders of Israel, the tenants. 
in the story. Now, what were the religious authorities anxious about? The Roman occupation, keeping extremist elements within Judaism at bay so that Rome would not intervene militarily and then threaten the existence of Israel, the temple priesthood, and the Jewish courts. Keeping the purity of the Jewish faith from contamination by the non-Jews, the Gentiles, keeping their language and their culture alive. These were all legitimate and serious concerns. But in the process, they forgot what we forget when anxiety overwhelms us. God is in control, not us. We, can't, we are not called to be successful, but we are all called to be faithful. The chief priests and the religious leaders were to produce the fruits of faith. How? By teaching the people how to live according to the Torah, God's law, to be signs of light and hope to the non-Jewish world, to bring the non-Jewish world to faith in the one true God. But all their anxieties got in the way of their mission. Just as the prophet Isaiah warned the people of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem because of their infidelities, and it was destroyed in 586 B.C., so too Jesus warned the chief priests and religious leaders of his day that they have turned the temple into a den of thieves instead of bearing the fruit of faith. You know, anxiety is a thief. It robs us of our peace. It can rob us of our purpose in life. Well, Jesus went on to say that the owner of the vineyard, God, sent servants, the prophets. But the tenants either had them beaten or killed. Still, God was patient and merciful and sent more prophets over the centuries. They too met the same fate. Finally, said Jesus, God sent his own son thinking the chief priests, the religious leaders, which the ones who should be able to put the signs together, the ones who should know who the Messiah is, will surely respect his son, revealing that Jesus knew full well what they would do to him. The authorities became anxious because they rightly sensed that Jesus called them as Jesus calls every single one of us to change their case to change their perceptions of God, the role of the temple. In our case, to change our perceptions of God and to accept the biblical revelation of God, to change our perceptions of what we think the church should be to what the church is genuinely called to be. And our fallen nature resists, hates change. Jesus revealed the extent of their anxiety, the division of their thoughts, that they actually believed that if they killed the son, they would have a legal right to take over the vineyard, Israel, as if they were in control and not God. Jesus asked the chief priests, what will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They passed sentence on themselves. 
He will put those wretched men to a wretched death, they said, and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. And then Jesus said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now what is Jesus saying? He is quoting the 118th Psalm. And that would have reminded the chief priests that the cornerstone refers to a central stone in the temple that kept all the other stones in balance. Jesus is the cornerstone that holds the entire edifice together. Because they allowed their anxiety to divide their minds and did not produce the fruits of faith that God empowered them to do, Jesus declares, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. And the temple was destroyed in the year 70 AD. All that's left today is the wailing wall. The sacrificial rites stopped because they cannot be done outside of the temple. The priesthood all but vanished. Jesus is the cornerstone of the eternal temple, his church. And those who are baptized in him are called to be the living stones that build up this temple. But the warning Jesus gave to the religious authorities of his time applies to us. We are expected to bear the fruits of faith. We do not have to allow the anxieties of life to divide our minds or occupy our thoughts. We can find our comfort in Christ's love for us, and despite the chaos that we may find ourselves in, we are given the grace to put one foot in front of the other. We do not have to allow the darkness of the world to prevail. We are not called to be successful, but we are called to be faithful.